Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, John Mikulski and Brian Brueger. Hello everybody, welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 30, the big 3-0, Beyond the Classroom Walls for January 31st, 2012. Our guest this week is Chris Baer, who is a high school teacher from Martha's Vineyard. But first, before we get to the guy you all want to hear about, here are the ones you don't care about. Brian Brueger is with us today. Brian, how are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Fabulous intro. I always and feel also, special. Yeah, I always try to come up with something nice to say about you, and that's as nice as I get today. And also joining <laughs> us is, uh, waiting in the wings to throw in the occasional comment, is Mark Cockrell. Mark, how are you doing? That is truth in advertising, John. <laughs> you like that. And I am John Mikulski. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Episode number 30. Never thought we'd make it this far. I figured I would offend someone well before this point and get booted off, but yet here we are. <laughs> so uh, before we, leave we get you in- on just for a yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's really just protection for you guys. You figure no matter what you say, I'll say something worse and it'll give you a That's chance right. to run. If, yeah. Well, on, on that note, I've got something for um, for Sean, you know, our former co-host. We got to um, get him back on. I, we talk about him all the time. I know, but it's fun because he can't defend himself. Right. And that's what makes it really enjoyable for us. Um, I was wondering if Sean or anybody else had heard from Apple this week. Anything? Anybody? Now Bueller? the camp has been quiet. <laughs> why, why, do, you, do you know something that's coming? Um, well, I, I heard a little announcement um, this past week um, regarding the iBooks and iBook author and all that kind of stuff. And because none of this was open source, I figured that, um, that Mark would be all over it and excited and you know really wanting to talk about these announcements. Well, uh, we uh, f- we did last week's episode of the Tightwad Tech on that very topic, so it has been covered. The iBooks and iAuthoring, <laughs> and and the fact that Apple all your all your content are belong to us. Oh, there yeah. it is. There's the conspiracy theory. I was waiting for something <laughs> to come out of this. So, uh, the, tell, I actually explain it to me, Brian, because I don't know a whole lot about this. You don't know anything? Wow. The um, see that's what happens when you have an iPad project. It's all <laughs> Apple all the time, right? Right. The um, essentially, um, Apple had a education announcement that they did in New York, um, which is number one, fairly rare for them, um, on both fronts, meaning an education announcement specifically and doing it in New York. Um, and they announced a few different products. Um, the first one was uh, iBooks Two, or the second version of iBooks came out. And it specifically includes a section now for textbooks. Um, obviously, they would be electronic textbooks. And um, they also introduced a piece of software called iBooks Author. It works a lot like their pages program or um, keynote numbers, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's specifically designed to create um, rich text and highly interactive um electronic textbooks and um, they also opened up iTunes U um, has previously only been for collegiate schools and they've opened it up to the uh, K-12 environment now. Just be sure you read that licensing agreement before you start using iBooks author. That's all I'm going to say. Listen to the Taiwan Tech episode from uh, uh, this last week uh, for more information. There's the plug. All right. Well, before we get into um, our, it just sounds like there's this evil coming from all that. I just want to avoid that topic. This is supposed to be a lighthearted show, guys. Wait, you just hooked him right in with that. You know that, Brian? I saw that. See, all right. I feel like I should, I should, you know, present this on the uh, periodic table and just let them, you know, bait them and then let them go at it. See where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Um, before actually, this this ties in really nicely with our guest today. Before we we get to him, I, Brian and I actually had a, a pretty cool experience, I guess, earlier this week with our classrooms, our students. Um, now, as many of you know, I'm in Buffalo, and Brian is at a school out in West Palm. And it, first of all, very very different schools. I'm in a very large public school, and he's in a, a very small private school. Um, but we actually arranged to have one of my actually my whole group of kids. There's 110 of them. 
Skype in with one of Brian's classes, and uh, it was really, really cool. I, I know my kids were really, uh, you know, the little things that you wouldn't expect that they were caught off by. Um, just it, it was awesome. So I, Brian and I actually haven't even talked about it. So Brian, your um, your impression. My impression was, you know, at first, um, the Skype call, they were kind of nervous and, you know, didn't really want to talk. And then, you know, all of 30 seconds later, they, you couldn't get them to stop talking. Um, right, right. A couple of things that, that our principals actually, um, who were standing, you know, in the background and everything and watching what was going on. Um, a few of the things that they noted as funny is, that our students go to the beach for fun and your students thought that that was pretty crazy. Right. And, um, the amount of time we spent talking about lunch food between the, uh, different schools and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I gotta say we actually Skyped as part of this activity that we had planned. Um, Brian's school was only a third of it. We actually Skyped with two other schools and that was the one common thread that came up in every single school. They all wanted to know what the food was like and universally everyone said it was terrible and then they got into why it was terrible <laughs> and how it was terrible. And um, But yeah, that's, that's one common thread. Although it was interesting because now uh, you you work at like a, it's a Hebrew school, is that right? Uh, yeah, it's a Jewish school and so they speak Hebrew and you know, lunches specifically were kosher lunches and, and things like that. So we had to explain what kosher meant and then, you know, give examples and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it was funny because you, one of your kids mentioned that just in passing that it was kosher. And I looked around and we had off to the side, of, they weren't all on screen. We had, I had picked six kids to kind of act as our representatives, but the other hundred or so were off to the side watching on the projector and just the look of just befuddlement on their in their on their faces. <laughs> they had no idea what kosher meant, and that was something I think we actually had to stop kind of the conversation. And and I jumped in and said, "Explain sure. what kosher is." And your kids were like, "Oh, well, that's easy." Like they didn't even realize that, that would be something that my kids were so thrown exactly. off by. And, and even the other thing too, that of, kind of go ahead. It's a type of pickle, right? Yeah, <laughs> or salt, <laughs> or salt, right? Well, and, and the other thing too that kind of on on the reverse that surprised your kids your kids were asking we were take they were taking turns asking back and forth and brian's kids at one point said well where do you guys go for your overnight trip and the kids all kind of looked at each other like what's an overnight trip i don't know what you're talking about i think one of mine said well we go to like the amusement park at the end of eighth grade and then your kids chimed in with oh we go to israel for two weeks (laughs) so (laughs) it just kind of showed the difference between the two but it it was uh definitely cool to to kind of incorporate that in and um, see the reactions of the kids like that. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Our teachers were excited. And um, I kind of threw you under the bus and said, hey, if you guys want to do anything, contact John, because I'm sure he'd be willing to, you know, go out on a limb and try something again sometime. So oh, uh, absolutely. You may, be, you may be contacted. <laughs> no, well, and I mean, it was a good, I kind of took that whole call as an experiment. We did it very quick. Um, again, like I said, we actually Skyped in with three different schools all over the U.S., and plan to only have like a 15 minute conversation. So it was really just a snapshot of life. So there's certainly way more we could be doing if, if that was the case. But that actually um, leads us really nicely into our guest because our guest um, is a teacher who actually does a lot of this stuff all the time. And Skyping between New York and Florida, small beans to him, he does a lot more than that. So let's bring him on now. All right, so joining us today is Chris Baer. He's an art and design and technology teacher from Martha's Vineyard Regional Schools. Chris, how you doing? Good, thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to hear about some of the things you're doing in your classroom. But um, before we start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been teaching here for about 17 years now. Um, teach a lot of photography classes, um, uh, design, CAD. Uh, things like that. And um, so doing international projects isn't quite uh, in the scope of, of what I'm expected to teach. It's just sort of happened that way. Okay. And is it that how we... most things happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And before we go on, in, in the notes you mentioned, we have a, a section that we always ask if there's anything that we, of note that we want to bring mm-hmm. up to like, you know, warts and those kinds of things. And you put an interesting <laughs> one in. I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this before we get into kind of the, the you know, what we're going to talk about. You apparently are the, the unofficial uh, creator of the term spam. <laughs> well, I, I, 
All I know is that I started um, uh, uh, spamming in 1985, the winter of 85, 86 at uh, Rensselaer Polytech uh, on their, their CB program, which was a kind of a primitive uh, chat program uh, on their mainframe network. You'd kind of dial in on, we had an early Macintosh we would dial in on. Um, and um, it was just a, a word we would uh, copy and paste over and over again to disrupt dialogue that was going on. It was just a stupid adolescent <laughs> thing we would do. Um, and uh, it didn't have any real meaning to it, but it was... Uh, uh, and it it started taking off in that I remember people afterwards started using people I didn't know uh, started using that to uh, 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 you know ramp up the di uh, disruption a little bit um, and so you know it might just be pure coincidence but it, it uh, um, we were using uh, the word spam to uh, uh, irritate people in 1985. <laughs> I, I think it might be safe to assume you weren't the only college age Monty Python fan at the time. Could, could be, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, uh, um, there, it, it may have several origins. Right, right. This so uh, sounds it, like something John would do. I know. Well, I, I can say there's all kinds of things that I claim that I should have been the inventor of. And then it just never happens. Like good idea that I have. And five years later, someone else is making a lot of money on it. Although I, I guess if if you were the true uh, creator of spam, Chris, uh, we'd have a lot, a lot more negative questions to be asking you today. <laughs> you would not have a fan club. That's for certain. So what, let's get back into it then. Tell us a little bit. Um, you're from Martha's Vineyard, is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's where you teach? Yes. Um, yep. Tell us a little bit about your school. Uh, it's about 700 students, uh, grades 9 to 12. Uh, it's a public high school. It's the only uh, school uh, high school on the island other than a, a very small charter school here. Uh, so we're sort of a, uh, you know, an insulated group of students uh, that live here. You know, there are kids that, uh, you know, won't leave the island for months at a time. Uh, you know, sports teams have to leave at, at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning to play a neighboring school. Um, so, and there's some kids who won't get off all year long. So it's, um, there's, there's plenty of kids here who have, uh, you know, pretty insulated culturally. So as far as, I guess, school culture or school climate, is that an advantage then or is that a disadvantage? Um, I think a little of both. Um, there's a level of trust here. In our community, that is um, is good when you're here, and 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 <laughs> can be naive when you're not. Mm -hmm. um, it um, you know uh, probably like any small community anywhere, uh, it it has its pluses and minuses. But um, you know, I, I think there are kids who here who you know have never ridden a subway, you know, haven't seen a mountain, um, you know, so they just don't get off that often. Tell us a little bit about um, using Skype in your classroom and how you uh, battle some of that smallness, if you will. Well, um, really, Skype is something that I'm still experimenting with. Um, the What I've done up till now is a lot of photography exchanges with students overseas. Um, and Skype is something I, I'm, I'm trying to do more of. The trouble is that... Um, most of the places that I want to Skype are not, school is not in session when we are. So, uh, you know, outside of the Americas, there's, um, you know, big time differences that, you know, unless I bring my kids in at night or, or they do on the other side, there's no time to really connect well. Um, so I've had more luck with uh, teacher to teacher uh, Skyping which can be a lot of fun to connect with teachers because they're willing to stay up late and uh, work in the evening. Or, um, you know, I, I've had <clears throat> some, a, a teacher from South Korea Skype in to do an hour presentation at, I think it was 2.30 a.m. her time. And uh, I, I reciprocated at 3.30 a.m. Uh, our time. And it was, um, it's hard to do, but <laughs> there are people out there willing to do it where, you know, kids are, are a little trickier to, 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 oversee at that time of night um but what we've done i have done some student skyping where um we've had uh i know I, we had a class in taiwan uh perform a song at for our evening of the arts a kind of a local uh, cultural night at the school 
And so that was, it was evening here, morning there, and that worked out well. Uh, we also had a, a, a student at home in Morocco Skype in and was chatting with one of my students for a, for a while. Um, so, you know, there's opportunities there, but the, the best ones I've experienced is when, with um, professionals, doing professional development uh, involving teachers in other countries have been great. Yeah, you know, We've you touched done- on, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we, the, the most recent one we've been doing is with a, we've done a kind of a monthly series where we bring in a teacher from a different country every month. Uh, so we've done this past year, uh, we've had a teacher from, from Yemen, from um, Russia, Oman, South Korea, as I mentioned, um, Uganda, uh, Brazil was the last one. And we're going to do another one uh, in a couple of weeks with a whole bunch of countries. It'll be interesting. That's really cool. You know, you, you kind of mentioned that the two big facets of using something like Skype in the classroom, you know, first with the teachers, but also with the students. Now, I want to talk about the students a little bit. It's interesting because a lot of times when I have teacher friends who will come to me and say, well, okay, Skype, what do you do with it? You know, once you get them on the screen, what happens? Because I think that is the fear of a lot of teachers is you, you schedule this time and then the kids just stare at each other and they're not sure what to say. But I, I, it's my experience and I'd like to see if it's the same with you, especially with the student that you Skyped in. Um, they don't seem to have that problem. You know, they get talking and it's like the weirdest little things that they talk about that all of a sudden will, will just spark all these big conversations because they don't realize how different the world is and how different people live in different parts of the country. You know, we, I actually just did a Skyping thing with my students. I teach eighth grade, but we, we so, uh, spoke with some kids in Alaska and they were expecting, you know, talk about igloos and snow dogs and that kind of stuff and of course that didn't come up because that's you know the misconception we have but the the one most profound thing that the the kids took from that and i think the students in alaska didn't even think twice about it they were talking about um the actual amount of daylight they have right now and the one boy Mm -hmm. said you know the one boy said you know i get to school and it's not light outside until 10 30 in the morning and right now at this time of year it's dark by three o'clock and the kid almost Mm -hmm. as an aside said i don't see my bedroom in the light for like six months, you know, because I leave before it's light out and I get home when it's dark. And he just said it in passing and I could see like the the faces of my kids and they were just floored by that. So (laughs) things like that, it's just so cool that you can have someone, you know, tell you that and that's their Mm -hmm. life experience. It's not you reading it out of a textbook or you you sharing it as an anecdote. They actually Mm -hmm. see that face who's saying that. Is that the kind of thing that you you see with your students? Yeah, I mean, we've been working with uh, um, some girls' schools in Yemen uh, in particular, where um, you know we we trade photographs back and forth. There's, Skype is actually not allowed in in Yemen or Oman, but um, I've done a lot of work with Yemen schools, uh, Yemeni schools, where <clears throat> of course the the girls are all veiled from from head to toe, um, and and my kids are just uh, you know fascinated with the clothing. So there's lots of questions and answers and um, uh, talk back and forth about. Um, you know, the expectations of dress and so forth. Uh, and that's been really fascinating. And, but to get back to your question about, um, you, you know, that initial uh, stilted moment when the kids are staring at each other, um, I find that yeah, class-to-class Skypes, when there's an audience, is when things are most awkward for kids because their, uh, their shyness level goes up. Um, sure. But I think when you kind of leave them alone and give them a chance to, to chat privately, um, they get into it and that's been fun. Sure. That that leads me, that makes me ask the question then whenever, you know, in education, whenever we hear the word private or Mm -hmm. leave the kids alone, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's bells go off and and we freak out and go, you mean we're not going to, guide them step-by-step step through the process? <laughs> you mean you mean we're going to actually let them do something? So so on behalf of all those people who just freaked because they heard you say, let them be, what is that like? Well, it's, it's hard. I mean, it. it um, uh, my first experience with that was when we were doing some sort of pen pal work with some Yemeni kids um, these were some older boys, actually. We were working with a boys' school in Yemen. Um, and my students were mostly freshman girls. Um, and they were doing some pen pal stuff back and forth a little bit with photographs and things. But then the kids started coming in one day saying, oh, you know, Salem Facebooked me. Um, and they all came in and said, oh, you know, oh, did you, 
chat with Salem last night. It, it turned out one of the boys had um, friended half the kids in my class and was <laughs> going into the um, internet cafe in the morning when it was late at night here and keeping these kids up to, to all hours, um, uh, you know, I aming on Facebook. And at first I, I got a little spooked by the thought. Um, and I, you know, I had to, to talk to the other teacher about it. It turned out he's a, you know, a super nice guy. I still know him. I met him finally in person after working with him for a few years. I, I, uh, went to a conference in, uh, um, uh, Taiwan last summer and he got a scholarship to come to it. So I got to meet Salem, um, after all these years, but it was, uh, a little spooky at first to have, you know, this, this, this unauthorized communication <laughs> going on. Um, but I think, I think, you know, that the class of the future is, is going to be, you know, less centralized than it is now. And, and we as teachers have to, um, uh, face up to the fact that we're not, we're going to have to give up a little of the control we're used to. That's hard. Oh, sure. oh absolutely. <laughs> and it's and educationally, that's not really where the education system in America is at right now. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah. you're still pushing against that. <laughs> and it's I don't see that in the you, core you, curriculum. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let students go. <laughs> uh, I try I tried it again actually with Facebook again this uh last fall. Um when I had kids in Taiwan uh, class I met. Um you know, gave up their, their Facebook, uh, uh, account URLs to my students. And I kind of in, invited them to friend each other if they, if they wanted to, I didn't mandate it. Um, and they've had a lot of fun connections through that, but it's, it's where I worry about it, you know, legally and I worry about parents and, uh, um, you know, but kids are kids and, um, you know, I, I just trust in the good nature of most people. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned that because our eighth grade students at my school actually take a trip to Israel and they go over there for a couple weeks every year. Mm -hmm. Um so that it's you know the big eighth grade trip and everything. Mm -hmm. And in the past, you know, initially to connect with the students from Israel and everything, you know, they exchange email addresses and whatnot. And last year for the first year, they exchanged email addresses and then Within, you know, a day or two, the teachers were asking, you know, well, have you emailed your, um, you know, your person? And everybody said once. Well, did you say much? <laughs> no. But what happened is they emailed one time and that <clears throat> one email was, here's my Facebook information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And that was all they did with email and everything else happened. And so then our group gets over to Israel and everybody's giving each other hugs and there's tears and it's high and how you're doing. And the teachers are looking at it themselves like, well, now all the introduction <laughs> games and all this kind of stuff that we had planned is just out the window because yeah. the kids just took care of it all on their own. <laughs> and the teacher's like, okay, well, we'll move for a year. Well, I, yeah, I can it, imagine. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say the, um, I've, I've, worked with a lot of sort of pen pal situations where kids are writing back and forth in a moderated forum. And, um, I think there's a, a high level of discomfort in kids writing other kids when they know their teacher and half their classmates mates can, can read what they're writing. Um, so I think giving them privacy to write back and forth is, uh, uh, can be very powerful, you know, to letting them, get comfortable with it with another person not to mention in a in a media that they're so comfortable and familiar with like oh, Facebook. sure now i i'm assuming this is kind of i think the question has already been answered it sounds like your school is pretty open as far as filtering and and what they allow in terms of having skype open and having is facebook open with the students do facebook's not open um but it's so in fact we don't do any facebook in school um but i you know give them the opportunity if they want to do it out of school that's up to them right and to be honest it's still going on in school because every kid has a cell phone now that can do it anyway so <laughs> oh, sure. even though it's blocked yeah. at school it's really not blocked at school anymore it's yeah. kind of yeah oh interesting well, I, well, well it seems to me that a lot of uh schools still if you look at the um uh you know, the, the, the technology plans in a, in a lot of schools, email is still banned from most students, but, uh, yeah. 
you know, in me, in, even in my school, I'm not sure that technically email is allowed to students, but yet, you know, it's sort of a basic business skill that we ought to be teaching uh, rather than banning. And, um, you know, Facebook might be what, <laughs> what is used uh, for the next generation. We have to see. Oh, at this point, even email is almost outdated. You know, there's yeah, been times when I've talked to I've talked to my students and said, "Well, can you email that to me?" And he said, "Well, can I just like send you a link on Twitter?" <laughs> like that's kind of where it's gotten at this point. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of my kids. I, I ask them what uh, you know, how often they use email. They say, you know, for college applications or something, and that's about it. Right. Email grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so let's go back, I guess, to a little bit about what you've been doing in your classroom. And it sounds like you're certainly not only with students, but with teachers, too, connecting to other people around the world. Why is that important? Tell me why that's something that we should be doing, making students more culturally aware. Why Why should I care that my kids know about, you know, the, the daylight savings in Alaska? Why is that important? <laughs> um. I think, well, for my kids, I just feel like they're, um, you know, they're sort of culturally isolated here on an island, um, physically isolated yeah, as well. Literally, and right. so it's, it's, they're getting some of the stuff that they might otherwise get if they uh, were living in a, uh, in a more diverse area. Um, and for teachers, I think it lets us think outside the box a little bit. Um, I mean, I know a lot of, for instance, um, the um, uh, Arnie Duncan has talked a lot about, you know, watching other countries and test scores and things like that. And uh, I know Finland has been in the in the news a lot. South Korea has been in the news a lot. Um, there's a lot of countries that uh, a lot of educational leaders are watching really closely because of how well their their test scores are. Um, but I'm just fascinated with the other stuff. You know, the the the, the punishment tree in Uganda and the 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 way they take tests in Russia. Um, you know, in Yemen, they teach dentistry as one of their vocational areas, um, and and just all the things you wouldn't think about. In, in Taiwan, there's a a gift wrapping club, which I thought was kind of an interesting after school <laughs> organization. Uh, so I, I just have fun with all the things I wouldn't have never have thought to ask about, uh, just to get some, you know, perspective on what we do here, and 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 how we do things differently. Oh, yeah. And a totally selfish point of view. It's as much fun for the teachers to do these things as it is the students most times. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll yeah. be honest, that's that's the only reason why I'm even doing this podcast. It gives me a chance <laughs> to talk to a bunch of cool teachers all over the place. You know, I, I learn as much from, you know, from our guests as I do from any colleague I have sitting in the rooms around me at school. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's especially here on an island. I mean, I I get to talk to a teacher in my uh, subject area, you know, once every few years because because <laughs> I'm right. I'm the only one who teaches it here. Um, so it is fun to use uh, the the technology to to get out of here uh, virtually, if not physically. Well, let's say that there's a teacher who's listening, and you know, I've, at this point, I think everyone knows what Skype is. And actually, I was just had this conversation with my wife uh, before we got on the air. Uh, my mother recently got an iPad, and we we hooked up with Skype. And I was on getting ready actually for this show and I saw that she was on. So on a whim, I, I called her and my kids were on my lap. So we, we Skyped with grandma. And at one point it hit me like I'm sitting on the couch and I'm talking to my mom and we're video chatting and we get off the, you know, we finally get off of Skype and I turned to my wife and said, at what point did this become normal? Like to be able to sit and chat like this. It, it's something I think everyone knows about at this point. And my God, if, if my mom can do it, anybody can do it. But I don't know if people have really taken it to that professional level like you have. Um, so I guess it's a two part question. What advice would you give to teachers? First of all, who might be interested in doing this with their students, but then also, I mean, this is something we haven't talked a whole lot about yet, but what about teachers who would be interested in doing this as like a professional development, like you do, where you, you Skype in with other teachers for more of a, a professional conversation? How would you even start that process? Well, the hard part is networking because it's, um, it's difficult to uh, find teachers who are interested in doing it. Um, and in there's a level of trust, you know, not only to connect in with a bunch of strangers, but but to trust your kids with them too. If you're involved in a student project, so oh yeah. Um, when I first you know started getting involved in this, this was about seven years ago. Um, 
trying to do some international exchanges with some students overseas, I, I, you know, I thought I had this great idea and I sat down and I, I spent a few days, just hours and hours and hours emailing every single um, school teacher address I could find overseas. And, uh, you know, there's real heartfelt letters I was writing, yeah, trying to get somebody to, to do an exchange with me. I, didn't, I got nothing, absolutely no responses. Um, you know, nobody wanted to, to, uh, to even address my questions. So what I had to do is join an organization that, you know, an international organization that would allow me to network with some other teachers overseas. So the one I did was called IEARN, I-E-A-R-N. Um, I'm sure there's other ones out there, but this has been particularly good as far as trying to find other teachers um, to to connect with um, because that's the hard part. And then once you have a circle of people you're working with, then it's, it's easy to, to expand from there and find new teachers. You know, you, you Facebook friend them, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and suddenly you're friends with their friends, and then you got some new teachers to talk to. So um, it's been it's it's easy for me now to find people to work with, but that the first uh, few months were particularly tough. Have you run into problems with um, just the logistics of like you already talked about time zone and calendar and that kind of thing? But even just the logistics of how many students are in a class, because if I was going to do something on Skype that's long term, I'd want to try to pair them up almost like traditional pen pals or in groups or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Is that hard to figure out how that all works, especially then when you're dealing on top of everything else of time zones and things? Oh, sure. I mean, one of the uh, one of the teachers I work with is a, a Bangladeshi math teacher who teaches, I think, five classes. Um, but there are 80, 80 students in a class. And, wow. That's know, like and half they, of Brian's school. It's <laughs> <laughs> 20 people shy of our middle school. <laughs> and, and so he would, um, yeah, I asked him, I said, how do, you, how do you manage discipline in a class of 80? He said, well, he said some classes uh, with some teachers, it looks like a bazaar in there. You know, <laughs> kids uh, playing games and selling goods i guess but um, although in bangladesh i imagine there's a, a whole other element of student discipline that they can get away with that we can't probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but he and his kids they they had access to a computer lab you know once a week or something with six computers in it or something like that so i mean, it, for him it was all after school you know the kids who wanted to do this um you know formed a club or something they would come in after school um to to, to do any of these exchanges because they're just impossible. And there's a lot of schools like that. Um, the Yemeni school I was just, we were just working with had no internet at all at the school. Um, and so, yeah, there's technical problems. There's logistical problems from the other side where they just simply can't get to a lab very often. Um, but yeah, there's other schools. One of the schools in South Korea we work with, uh, they had a huge built-in monitor in uh, the English lab where they work out of that is intended for Skype. This is what they do. Hmm. Um, but of course, then it becomes a time zone issue where they <clears throat> to um, connect is, is with the Americas particularly difficult. Gotcha. Uh, but, I was, I was curious, what do you, how do you deal with the issue of language? Um, is it kind of like in, you know, airplanes where the national language is English and everybody just will somehow speak that? Or are you using interpreters or, you know, uh, are you learning, learning Moroccan? <laughs> <laughs> the the um, uh, everything I've done has been in English. Um, so I've been working with a lot of English teachers overseas and English classes who are eager to practice their English. Um, you know, I think there's there's eager English speakers in every country. So it's it's been maybe self-selecting, but it was uh, it's been convenient to to work sure. with a lot of English English classes. Yeah, I, I imagine there's not a lot of native Moroccan speakers in Martha's Vineyard. No, no, <laughs> no, not too many. No. Trying to cut back. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're I guess we're coming to a close here, Chris. Um, before we we let you go, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Because you're you're just doing so many really great things in your uh, in your classroom and uh, you know stuff that I think that everyone. A lot of teachers, I think, may want to do, but they just don't know how to get started. So thank you for sharing some of that. But is there anything else that you want to add before we let you go? No, I'd say, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it, it can be sort of scary for some teachers to, to, to try something like this because it is a matter of, uh, of giving up some control and, and um, sharing with other teachers and uh, uh, collaborating outside the classroom walls. It's easy to just shut the classroom door. And, and, uh, but I think this is um, uh, something we're going to see more of in the future. I mean, one thing I, I, I worry about is that there are some schools that their only international projects are um, sort of these anonymous charity projects. And so these kids get the impression that, uh, you know, everybody in, in Pakistan is either a, a, a terrorist or, a, or a, a pauper who needs a pencil and, and mm-hmm. you know, never connect to the vast majority of, of people that live um that they can talk to and have a conversation with and, and really get to know. Oh, absolutely. Um, that, you know, like, like Alaska, they live in igloos and they drive sled yeah, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think this, it, it's really important to break down some of the stereotypes um, that kids and teachers are walking around with too. No, absolutely. And I'm taking a look at that iron website. Now it's iron.org. Um, yeah. It looks like a, tons of great resources on there. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and maybe the most important one is the the conference that they do, because uh, that that's what really hooked me was you know working with the people, networking with the people. They do a conference in a different country every year. Um, last year was Taiwan. Uh, this year I think it's going to be virtual. Uh, it was Morocco a couple of years ago. Next year is going to be Qatar, I think. So I'm hoping to somehow find the money to fly to Qatar <laughs> to go to this conference. But it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'll be meeting some very interesting people there. Usually they have about um, 50 to 60 different countries represented at a typical conference. So, wow! Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Oh, I'm all distracted now by this website. <laughs> good resource, Chris. I'm totally using it as my teacher tip for the week. <laughs> oh, well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate hearing some of the, the stories that, that you have from your classroom. And uh, I think our, our listeners will appreciate it as well. So thank you, Chris. Good. It's been fun. Thanks so much. All right. That was Chris Bear, uh, a t- high school teacher in Martha's Vineyard. So up from us, up from me a little bit, way up from you, Brian. Um, just, you know, I think I mentioned it last week, you know, when I, I said that he was coming on, just a, a really cool teacher doing a lot of really cool things. And you can kind of hear it in his voice. He didn't really seem very hesitant to do anything. And that's really the, the attitude you need to have when you go into stuff like this, because you're certainly going to run into problems and you reach like this, you know, paralysis. If that's all you focus on is those potential problems. And he was able to get past that. Sure. We, we have some, you know, a couple of teachers at our school that are unbelievable at just finding a way to make a tool work. And um, one of them I tease all the time because I think that if I brought a, you know, 900 pound gorilla to the front door, he would take a look at it and go, yeah, I can use that today. Yeah, that works out well. <laughs> I, I can out. <laughs> and, and he would somehow come up with a lesson that used it appropriately, having never considered it ever before. Sure. And I think that that willingness, I mean, it probably goes to show while that why they're making it well in, in education because they can think on their feet and and be resourceful. You know, and you can contrast that to the, the teacher who laminated their lesson plans in 1963. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, and, and they, they have, their days are misery, right? Chris was excited and happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And those are the teachers where you always see them and they look miserable and they say, oh, those kids are just so bad. I'm like, Well, no wonder they're bad. They're bored out of their skulls in your classroom <laughs> because you're not doing things like this. Just yeah, like, like you are. Exa- oh, you kind of, you have to be, you know, you have to stay relevant. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an example. Like, you know, if anyone who, who watches a live stream and I always laugh because I notice it myself, you know, between, between Brian and Mark, they're very like focused, very poised. And you can watch my head and I'm just bouncing back and forth. My arms are up. I'm like rubbing my head. I'm like playing with my nose and my ear. Like I'm such, I, I have like a 30 second attention span. So a classroom <laughs> like Chris's would be perfect. Uh, you know, anyone, anyone that's like me, this is the kind of like education that you need to have now. I think I was struck the most by him talking about the, you know, the letting go part, because I think that that seems to be, you know, the biggest issue with you know adoption or the hesitation to adopt a new idea is what if something goes wrong and what if i don't know what i'm doing 
Oh yeah. You know, the actually the day before um Brian and I, my school Skype together, we actually the day before that we did a, a thing where all the eighth graders in my district was were bussed out to all the elementary schools and every eighth grader read a book to some elementary school students in an elementary classroom. And I was the one who was behind setting all that up and organizing that. And that was quite the feat. I mean, we have over 300 eighth graders in our district and we have uh, three elementary buildings. So we really just kind of descended upon the lower levels and just took over. And there were actually a lot of teachers who were really stressed out about that. And they came to me and a lot of them in nicer terms basically said, what the hell do you think you're doing? This is going to be a colossal (laughs) failure. And, you know, and the way that I phrased it to them was, look, by the time we got over there, we had blocked out like a 30 minute time frame for these kids to go over and do a little activity and read a book. And the way I phrased it them is you have to let go. And what's the worst case scenario? It tanks and you have a 30 minute catastrophe. I, I have a, you know, on a, on, daily, every day. <laughs> on a daily basis, I have one class that falls apart and that's 40 minutes. So come on, this is actually like an improvement. I mean, you have to look at it that way. You know, there's going to be a problem. You know, there's going to be glitches, but you work through it because, you know, you look at that greater good. And I think that's what Chris was really trying to emphasize there. Love so. it. So with that said, let's move right into the tips of the week. And actually, I'm going to go first, Brian, because mine fit really well with uh, what Chris was actually talking about. And, and I wanted to see what, what his answer to this question was, because it's a question I get all the time. He mentioned finding contacts using that iEarn.org website, and there's certainly some really good ones on there. But teachers always say to me, where do you find people? Where do you find these other teachers who are willing to try this stuff? And there's two good answers in my mind anyway. One is a little bit more corporate than the other. The other one's a little more grassroots. Um, But the first one is actually through Skype itself. And Mark, I believe at some point you actually featured someone on Tightwad Tech from Skype in the Classroom. Isn't that right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. um, And I remember actually, I remember listening to that going, oh, I didn't know they even had that. That's a new service. But if you go to education.skype.com, that's where teachers can sign up and then network through Skype to to come up with classrooms. But even before that, I think that just came out in the last year or so, even before that, there was a guy, his name was Ken Kellner. And to be honest, I don't even know where he's from. Uh, I had met up with him at some point online. And he decided to basically start somewhat of a, a Skype directory for teachers. And again, this was before Skype really saw that as a, a viable market. So he just created a, a simple WordPress blog. And it's I wouldn't even consider it a blog because I think it only has one actual post on it. But if you go to skypeintheclassroom.wordpress.com, this is Ken Kellner's site, and I think it was posted in maybe 2008. Uh, And basically, he just said, if you want to find a teacher who is interested in Skyping, put your contact information in the comments. And it has almost 600, well over 500 comments on there now. And if you scroll through it, it's a little disorganized, but there's tons of teachers who are just basically saying, this is what I have. This is who I teach. This is where we're from. This is what we want to do who's interested. And I like that. I like that. It's a little bit more grassroots than going through Skype and creating the account and all that. So if you are a teacher who is interested in in connecting with people, aside from the iEarn.org website, I would try either the education.skype.com or skypeintheclassroom.wordpress.com. And I would recommend twitter.com. Yeah, (laughs) Twitter's a good one too. Or just, you know, Get a hold of me or Brian because we're always up for having uh, people <laughs> Skype into our rooms. Well, let's that's not leave right. out Google Plus. That's a great resource too. That uh, <laughs> that's true. That you it's, guys tend to ignore. It's fledgling. Well, I only ignore it because I don't use it, and if I'm not on it, it's not that important. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, um, go ahead. You have a tip this week. I I have a tip, and and this came. I don't know why I thought about it this morning, but um, I was just getting ready this morning at you know five a.m. And I um, started thinking about backs up, backups and, and tips for the podcast today. And then later on in the day, one of my principals came to me and said, I need you to come to me and, and make sure that all my data is being backed up properly. And as a tech guy in a school, um, Mark, you can uh, attest to this. You know, we try really hard to be really good and make sure that all the systems are in, in working order. But the truth of the matter is, we're people and we fail. That are There are systems and computers and they fail. And so my, my tip is back up your data. As a teacher, any of the stuff that you're working on, back it up. Um, just as a, a little friendly reminder, if you will. 
And I thought I'd also introduce you to the three to one backup concept. And that is you need to have um, three different locations. And if the item, the file is not in three different locations, don't consider it saved. Um, you should have two different types of media. So in other words, don't just save your stuff on CDs. Um, if you put it on CDs, that's fine, but also put it up on flash drives or on the web or something like that. And make sure that one of your backups is off-site in case of fire, flood, natural disaster, um, theft, whatever it may be. I'm glad that you so, pointed out that the three, two, one backup doesn't mean you just make three different folders on your desktop <laughs> triplicate. That's right. So three different locations, two types of media, um, one offsite, and there's all kinds of offsite, you know, different types of backup services and things like that. But just a reminder that um, don't count on your school or things like that. Um, to always have your backup, it's always good to have a copy of that, you know, at your home in addition to the school and things like that. Well, you know, along those lines, from a tech point of view, we can't know what's important. We can make <laughs> educated guesses about what's important, but we can't know. And 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 there's not enough backup storage in the world to back up every desktop <laughs> and every user's uh, my documents folder. Uh, quick story, uh, several years ago, uh, most people are now accustomed to the concept of the re-image, right? You guys do that at both your schools. Yep. Oh, yeah. Every summer, everything gets wiped out. Well, I introduced that concept to my school several years ago, uh, almost 10 years ago now. And Was uh, there weeping and gnashing uh, of teeth? Before I did, <laughs> I sent um, four emails, one a week for four weeks, three written memos, one a week for three weeks, and oh. then uh, I had the uh, the secretaries announce it on the last day of school uh, before they left. So they had lots of notice, and I, I said, "This this is going to your stuff is gone forever. It's it's <laughs> gone. I can't get it back." And guess who the one teacher was who complained about it because he lost two years worth of data. Please tell me it was the principal. No. Oh. <laughs> the computer teacher. <laughs> My next guess was Sean, but okay. Yeah. No, it was it was the computer science teacher had ignored all of my warnings and and I I assume that he thought I meant everybody but him. But <laughs> you know what? It it means you too, people. So back up. And I mean I don't mean everybody but you. I mean you. Yeah, you you only have to learn that lesson once and then you never forget it again. And I, I hate to say it, but I had no sympathy for the guy. None. No, I have no. empathy. I know what it's like to lose lots of data, and I felt bad for him. But I didn't apologize. Sure. I didn't say, you know, it, dude, you screwed up. Period. End of discussion. So yeah, it, and, and it's just a simple thing. I mean, we do it at home. Um, you know, if if you guys are listening and you're wondering, well, how do you do that and everything? Um, I actually use a program. I'll give them a plug, even though I do pay for it. Um, it's called Crash Plan. And it takes, you install it on your, your machine and um, there, it's free to download and you can install it and it will automatically back up to like an external drive for you. And that's totally free. But if you want to actually do an offsite, you know, upload it to their servers type of a thing, it will, then you pay a, you know, a small monthly fee or whatever. And it's totally um, automated. So I never think about, you know, I have to remember to back up or where I'm backing up. And so like my work computer, my laptop that I use all the time, I actually have that backed up locally at my school. I have it backed up locally at my home. And then I have things sent to the cloud also. And, and it works. And so, you know, if somebody walked away with my machine today, I would be okay. Because once I got another machine, you know, you can restore that stuff. And it's a pain to restore it and whatnot, but at least you can get to it. Right. And let me just, as a final comment on the topic, let me just mention, and I, my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you're not the culprit, but there are still people who use <laughs> like old floppy drives, floppy disks. And I know that only because uh, about a year ago, I had a teacher who came to me in a panic and said, my floppy's not working and I looked at her like, really? It, it's not. It's only like 25 years old. Um, so when Brian says back up to an external device, that is not a floppy disk. Although at this point, you can fit like one and a half Word documents on it before it's filled. So there might be a, a more expedient way to take care of that. 
<laughs> I have one floppy in my office and it's hanging on a wall and it says Y2K boot diskette. <laughs> yeah, Windows and, and 98. The school that I was in, it, they actually handed these out to all the, um, the district handed them out to all the tech people at the schools and said, you need to go, go run this, you know, sneaker net style computer to computer on every single computer in your school. And they gave you one floppy and it is now hung on my wall as a shrine. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, wrap this one up for the week. Uh, Brian, why don't you lead us out? Tell all the nice people how they can find us. Uh, just like the Pied Piper. March behind me, folks, if you would like to find us. Of course, elementopi.com slash tightwadteacher. Um, also on uh, the new Element Opie mobile app on Android and someday on iOS also. Um, Twitter, elementopie slash tightwadteacher. Or John can be found at John Mikulski. Mark can be found at Mark Cockrell. And I can be found at Bruger. Um, just to appease Mark, seeing he is the um, master of this podcast, um, you can also find us on Google+. Plus. We might, <laughs> might, might not be there, but you can find us there. I'll find Mark there. Just, yeah. by, just, just search for our names. <laughs> and, of course, on Facebook.com um, slash Element Opie. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we actually got a Facebook like today. All right. Yeah, I've so been I was really excited. Um, so it was really good. I hope um, I hope uh, we get a few more of those, and then we can have our own little Facebook vanity URL. It's that we can be in picture the of of Mikulski with his uh, the accordion. accordion. That's what's bringing yeah. them in. It's it's the accordion. That's right. That's all the comments I saw were he all put of that about the accordion. Up and the women just started coming to the site. It was the, the, the woman. <laughs> We've had one like since I put that up. <laughs> hey. That's a hundred percent more than we've had in the last month. That's true. <laughs> no, it, it's funny when when I lead you into the contact for this pay, or for this this show, Brian. I just get like this soothing calmness over here. Like the show's on its way out. We got through it. It's good. It's not like the feeling of dread when I when, that I get when we get to the contact us uh, for the the periodic table every every <laughs> week when I'm on that. This. It's just it's weird. It's like my alter ego comes out on that podcast. Like this is normal professional me, and then like. That little hidden piece of me comes out on that one. I just hope no one ever. I, that's that's my uh, my plug to go listen to the, the periodic table. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's nice not to have and to then worry about comment that. Comment on Facebook so we can all know about the things that John said and didn't yeah, want people I, to hear. I don't want people. I'm gonna start. Using an, I'm gonna start using an alias when I get on that show, Mark. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this episode of Tightwad Teacher. Um, so we will see you this time next week. And for now, this is John saying, uh, so long. And if there's a guy on the periodic table with my name, it's not really me. <laughs> and this is Brian saying adios. Have a great week. And this is Mark saying goodbye, everybody. Bye.